0: When he saw that he was healed, returned, and with a loud voice glorified God, and fell down on his face at his feet, giving him thanks, and he was a Samaritan. So Jesus answered and said, Were there not ten cleansed? But where are the nine? Were there not any found who returned to give glory to God, except this foreigner? And he said to him, Arise, go your way. Your faith has made you well. Luke chapter 17, verses 11 through to 19. The title of my message this first Sunday morning in May is a simple one. And it's simply this. I'm grateful. I'm grateful. So I'm going to ask you to do what you would normally do, even though, you're watching me on live stream, I'm going to ask you to turn to your family member or members and tell them, I'm grateful. If you're watching by yourself, turn in the mirror, look in the mirror and say, I don't know about you, but I'm grateful. Yes. And as you're watching, put it in the comments, hashtag, I'm grateful. Now, I must say that, At our church, the Cornerstone Church, typically every year there are a number of different areas that we will cover topic-wise every year. So, for example, we will talk about prayer every year at our church. We will talk about giving. We will talk about uh, spiritual maturity, spiritual growth. These are things we cover every year. And there was a time in our church where I would speak about gratitude every year. I don't know if any of you guys remember it, if you've been coming to the church for the last three to four years. So much so that I would speak on gratitude, and you may remember, at the end of the service, I would set a gratitude challenge, and I would call it Gratitude Sunday. I don't know if any of you guys remember that. Over the last couple of years, I haven't spoken on gratitude, and there hasn't been any reason for it. I've had more than enough to be grateful for individually, and as a church, we've had more than enough to be grateful for. But I must confess, when I planned to speak about gratitude this year, I was thinking I'm going to wait until lockdown is finished. I'm going to wait for that first Sunday in which we gather back in person together. And then I'm going to be talking about how grateful we should be and how we should be thankful that lockdown is lifted and we can return to society as normal or a new normal, as they say. And the Holy Spirit convicted me right there in that moment as I was thinking about it. And he said, that's the problem. He said, the problem is you keep thinking and people generally keep thinking that you have to wait for something that you're expecting to come to pass before you can show gratitude in the here and now for what you do have. And so with that said, I thought, you know what? We don't have to wait until lockdown is lifted to be grateful in the here and now. There's so much that God has done in us, so much that God has done through us, that we have a reason, irrespective of the season, to be grateful. If you're watching this, just put hashtag I'm grateful and tell us one thing that you are grateful for this morning, whether it's family, whether it's friends, whether it's life, whether it's the food on your table. Just put it right in there this morning. Hashtag I'm grateful and tell us one thing you are grateful for. This morning. And so with that said, when it comes to gratitude, I'm always reminded of the story of the 10 lepers that we just read in Luke. I'm always reminded of it because it's a really powerful metaphor and a really powerful story that we can learn from when it comes to the topic of gratitude. To give you some context, here we have 10 lepers and we talk about social distancing today with everything that's going on. If you had leprosy in those days, you were not allowed to be within six feet of anyone. So I think social distance in today is what? Two meters? Did two feet? Is it two meters? Two feet? Two meters? They were not allowed to be within six feet of someone. Of the 61 OK, 61, defilements of ancient Jewish laws, leprosy was second in its seriousness to a dead body. So after a dead body, it was leprosy. Leprosy was seen as, if you've got leprosy, you're cursed, you're punished. It was seen as something contagious that you did not want to be any, around anyone who had and something you did not want to have because publicly it would give the impression that maybe you were cursed. That was the thinking. You weren't allowed within six feet of someone on the average day. And if the wind was blowing, you weren't allowed within 150 feet of anybody else, friend, family, or loved one, it didn't matter, okay? And the way it worked is because leprosy was seen as so contagious, people who had leprosy would live in a community with other lepers. And they were only allowed to leave that community if they were healed. So it was expected that you stay there and die, or if you're healed, then you can reintegrate into society. And so these 10 lepers, see Jesus passing through Samaria and Galilee. And if you look at that scripture closely in Luke 17, 11 to 19, what does it say? They were afar off when they saw Jesus because they weren't allowed to be around people. And so they call out to Jesus, they reach out to Jesus and they want Jesus to heal them of their leprosy. Jesus, in performing a miracle, does something quite different. He performs in a miracle unlike we are used to seeing him do in the Bible. He doesn't pray over them. He doesn't lay a hand on them. He doesn't cast anything out. He simply says, go show yourselves to the priest. Very different way of doing a miracle. And there's a reason why he said, go show yourself to the priest. Because in order for you to be reintegrated back into society, if you had leprosy, you had to be verified as healed by the priest. So scholars actually argued that the lepers actually argued amongst themselves whether they thought Jesus was taking the mic because you can't go and see the priest unless you're healed and they're asking him to heal them so scholars argue they argued amongst themselves but they decided to be obedient and in doing so they received what they were believing on the way to where they were going there's a sermon in that as a result of being obedient and of course if you're familiar with the story they received their healing and one returns Say thank you, and the Bible makes it clear to us that it was a Samaritan, the least expected one, because of the rivalry between Jews and Samaritans. And in summary, Jesus asks the question, Were there not another nine? The very fact that Jesus had to ask, Were there not another nine, or Where are the other nine? clearly shows us that there was an expectation. That if one could return to say thank you, then so could the other nine. The very fact that he asked that question is not because he needed their gratitude, but it was teaching us a lesson that when we have received, whether it's from God or from man, we are expected to come back and say thank you. Someone put in the comments right now, hashtag I'm grateful. And so Jesus In asking where they're not, another nine reminds us of the power of gratitude. And from this scripture, we see that sometimes the people who we expect, the people who we expect to be grateful, are not always the ones that show gratitude. And guess what? Sometimes, neither do we. Okay? And we see that from this scripture. And there are many ways in which we display an attitude of ingratitude towards God and towards people rather than an attitude of ingratitude. And what I'd like to do in the few moments that we have together is talk about some of these ways in which we show an attitude of ingratitude. And here's my first point, should you be taking notes. Here's number one. When we say thank you, but it's not reflected in our actions. We show an attitude of gratitude when we say thank you, but it is not reflected in our actions. Turn with me to 1 John chapter 3 and verse 18. It reads as follows My little children, let us not love in word or in tongue, but what? Indeed and in truth. Let us not love in word or in tongue, but in deed and in truth. Listen, saying thank you is important. Let's not get that twisted. Saying thank you is important. However, it's the easy part because all it requires of us is words. But actually showing gratitude is what makes the difference. And we can't be people who just say thank you but we don't show gratitude to God and people. In the Bible and in the book of Ruth, we see Naomi and Ruth. And to cut a long story short, when Naomi loses her two sons-in-law, she decides that she's going to return to her homeland and she wants to send Ruth away. But Ruth says, no, 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 no. I'm going to stay loyal to you. I'm going to stick by you during this difficult time. And so Ruth follows Naomi back home. Now watch this. When they get back to Bethlehem, to cut a long story short once again, Naomi, if we're going to say it as it is, actually hooks Ruth up with Boaz. But she didn't have to. Because scholars show us that Naomi was closer to Boaz in age. So Naomi could have actually put herself forward to Boaz for herself. But she's not just thinking about herself. She's thinking about Ruth. She's thinking about how Ruth can have a future. She's thinking about how Ruth can have some sustenance. She's thinking beyond herself and she's thinking about Ruth as a result of Ruth's loyalty to her. And so she tells Ruth in Ruth chapter three, verse three, to put on her best dress. There's a tip there for you women. And to go and present herself to Boaz. And to cut a long story short, as I keep saying, Ruth and Boaz end up, Getting married. And you know what's interesting? When you read the latter end of the book of Ruth, the focus isn't on Ruth having a child, as it is Ruth bearing a child for Naomi. What am I saying here? When you look at the story of Ruth and you look at the relationship between Ruth and Naomi, there is a cycle of gratitude that's being expressed. It's not just words, it's in their actions, from loyalty to provision. Do you remember 1 Kings chapter 3, when Solomon is going to make a sacrifice unto God? All that's required of him is to make a sacrifice of one animal. But out of a heart of gratitude, he goes on and he sows a thousand burnt offerings. Now, in case you don't understand the magnitude of that, let me give it to you in a term that you might understand. Imagine someone owes you one pound, just one pound. And they say, hey, I'm going to call you, I'm going to deliver your pound. And you're like, oh, it's just one pound, forget it. And they're like, no, I'll put it through your, your letterbox. And so there's an envelope that comes through your letterbox. And the person has put 1,000 pounds in it. What are you going to say? You're going to be like, whoa, I only borrowed you a pounds. 1,000 pounds, that's way too much. Again, imagine you put 10 pounds in someone's account. And they said, I'm going to pay you back that 10 pounds. And they transferred you back £10,000. Do you know what? You would be happy to lend to that person anytime, every time. But effectively, this is what Solomon did. Because he had a heart of gratitude. He didn't just want to say it. He showed it. And these are two examples of gratitude towards man and towards God. But we show it in gratitude when we say thank you, but it's not reflected in our actions. Number two. We show ingratitude when we focus on the negative more than the positive. Unfortunately, we live in a negative bias-based society where for every negative thought, for every negative word, we need about 3 to 10 positive things to counteract it. The problem with this bias is that we tend to remember the negative actions, the negative words, the negative thoughts, the negative, negative behaviors towards us rather than remember... That people are not perfect. And neither are you. We do this and we forget that people are still learning. We do this and we forget that actually some people may have shown us more good than bad in life. But we have chosen to focus on the bad. Isn't it interesting how sometimes we tend to want more grace or grace in areas from people that we ourselves are not ready to show or extend towards others? I've always said when you don't allow the odd negativity or the odd disagreement or the odd fallout to negate how a person has blessed you or helped you previously, you'll be more grateful and show more gratitude towards that person or those people. Now, let's take a moment. Let's be honest. Even with the story of the 10 lepers that we just read, whenever we read that, where does our focus go? On the nine who didn't come back to say thank you. Not very often do we take the moment to think about the one who did return and say thank you. And I've come to realise that likewise in life, sometimes we focus on those who have left us rather than those who are still with us. We focus on the challenge ahead of us, not what God has brought us out of. We focus on those who didn't attend the party some of you, even in, even in the middle of the party, you're thinking about those who didn't attend as opposed to focusing on the ones who are there. I remember in the early days of our church, I used to preach about the people who weren't there. You know, i will be up there and I'd be like, but these days people don't come to church. And I can imagine people in church thinking, they're not here to hear you talking. Like, preach to us who are here. It's easy to focus on those who are not there as opposed to those who are there and when we do this it's very easy to show an attitude and gain an attitude of ingratitude over those who are there it's very easy to do this rather than gaining an attitude of gratitude and here's the third way in which we show an attitude of ingratitude when we take the things and presence of God lightly when we take the things of God and the presence of God lightly, we are showing an attitude of ingratitude. Let's be honest. The church sometimes is one of the only places where we make justifications for our behaviour. I mean, we go to church and it's praise and worship and we just chill and we say, it's just, it's just the way I am. It's just, it's just my personality. It's just, it's just how I worship God. But of course, when it's a sports event or a concert or even karaoke, we are showing our passion in different ways and our personality in different ways. But when it comes to the house of God, we're just reserved and, you know, it's just my personality. is just the way I am. Isn't it funny that you can pray to God for a job and you get a job offer and when you get the job offer, you don't really stop and say, actually, let me pray whether I should accept this offer or not. You gladly accept it because you know you prayed for the job and you prayed for the opportunity to get an interview and you got it and so you got the offer and immediately you're like, yes, I'll take the job. But when it comes to the house of God, you can pray, Lord, lead me to a church where I can find like-minded people and you get to that church and then you're challenged to serve and it's like, mm, I'm praying about it. It's funny how many people use that term, I'm praying about it, as a justification and a politically or a Christian correct way of saying no. And every time we come into the presence of God or we take the things of God lightly, we show an attitude of ingratitude. We come into the house of God and we don't even take notes. Oh no, it's not my, it's not my way of learning. Okay, that's fine. But you weren't saying that in your lectures. You weren't saying that on your training course. You weren't saying that in the conference or in the seminar or when your team leader at work was giving you instructions that you were noting down for things you need to do. But when you come to the house of God, you can justify it. Oh yeah, it's not not my way of learning. I'll listen to the podcast. Of course you will. You can't even remember what we talked about last Sunday. Let's be careful not to be people who take the things of God and the presence of God lightly. In doing so, we show an attitude Of ingratitude. Oh, I'm too nervous to give my testimony. I I I don't want to give my I don't want to share my testimony with people. But if an event or an opportunity that allows you to speak to thousands of people to promote your business or promote your product or promote your service, then all of a sudden you're not nervous anymore. Because you value your gain and your things over testifying to God's goodness in your life. Let's not be people who take the things and the presence of God. Lightly. Someone put in the comments, hashtag I'm grateful. A fourth way we show ingratitude towards God and man is when a gift becomes an expectation or entitlement. When a gift becomes an expectation or entitlement. Let me tell you a true story about a woman. There's this lady, a senior lady who was, who is a member of a church, um, not our church, she's a member of another church. And um, the church decided that they were gonna look out for this woman considering that she was slightly older in age and so they would send people to her house to deliver shopping, they re- um, decorated her house and they decided that they would give her an allowance, so they would give her a certain amount of money every week just to get by in day to day lives and of course that's a great thing in which the church was doing. As a couple of years went by, things changed financially for the church, they were looking at purchasing their building, they had more projects they were involved in, more community and charitable things that they were involved in. And as a result of these changes, the payments that they were making to this lady to support her stopped for a little while. Now, you would think that this lady would turn around and say, I understand that payments have stopped. You know, the church has been a blessing to me over the years in which they've been able to do this. I'm grateful for it. No. She started calling other church members to complain that she wasn't getting the money anymore. What happened there? What was a gift became an expectation and became an entitlement. Now, before you point the finger behind the screen, think about how many things you receive that you just think are normal and that you think you are entitled to. Because let me tell you this, when you can go into your bag or wallet and pull out some change, when you can go to the cash point and pull out some cash, you have every reason to be grateful. When you can open up the fridge and you have food, when you can turn on the tap and the water runs, you have every reason to be grateful. When you can walk down the street and you can open your Bible in public and not be arrested, you have every reason to be grateful. When you can breathe in, everyone breathe in, breathe out, You have every reason to be grateful. And oftentimes we don't appreciate these gifts because we just see it as the norm. We just see it that we are entitled to it. I wake up, I get up, yeah, I breathe, it's a new day. But actually, when last did you actually stop to thank God for the very fact that you woke up to see today? Or has it become an entitlement and a simple expectation of yours? Think about how many things you've taken for granted That you didn't even realise were so important. Think about that. Especially during this season. Unless they were taken away from you. Or you were restricted from gaining access to them. We must be people who forever have gratitude. On the forefront of our hearts and our minds. So let's once again put in the comments. Hashtag I'm grateful. Here's a fifth way in which we show ingratitude towards God and people. When we become familiar with those around us or close to us. When we become familiar with those around us or close to us. When we do this, it is easy to show gratitude to everyone else with the assumption that those close to you don't need your acts or show of appreciation. I mean, when last did you show your boss, your leader, your mentor, some gratitude? Oh, let me guess. Because they're your boss and it's what they get paid to do, or because they're paying you, or because they're not perfect, or they don't always get it right, you think that they don't need your encouragement or your appreciation? Is that what you think? And therefore, you take them for granted, Or is it because they're your team leader and not your pastor, your line manager and not the overall boss that you think that they don't need your appreciation? Is it because you've known a person for years that you don't tell them how much you love them or show them how much you appreciate them? Even some of them living within the same four walls of your house. Hence, the word family has root in the word familia. Yeah? How often do we take such people for granted? Let's be people, once again, who don't become so familiar with those close to us and around us that we cannot show gratitude to them. So, with that said, how do we truly show gratitude to God and man? How do we truly show gratitude to God and man? Number one, by showing gratitude in and for all things. Notice what I said. I didn't say showing gratitude in all things alone. I didn't say showing gratitude for all things alone. I said both. Showing gratitude in and for all things. Look at 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 16 to 18 with me. Let me guess what your Bible says. It says, rejoice sometimes. Is that what your Bible says? Okay, rejoice in the good times. No, no, wait, wait, wait. Maybe your Bible says rejoice in the bad times. No? What does it say? Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. And in some things, give thanks. Is that what it says? No? What does it say? In all things... Do what? In everything, give thanks. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Rejoice always, pray without season, in everything, give thanks. Listen, this scripture doesn't say be thankful in good things. It says in everything. This means be thankful when you lose that job or when the business fails. It means be thankful when the relationship breaks down and when people let you down and when people betray you and turn their back on you. Be thankful that you didn't get that job. Be thankful that that deal fell through. Be thankful in all things. Now, let's be honest. Let's have an honest moment here. How many times have you been upset about something that you desired or wanted, but later you're actually thankful that you didn't get it. And actually, it was a blessing in disguise that you didn't get it. If that's you, just put your hand up on the screen right now. Just put the hand up emoji. Sometimes we think we know what's best for us, but God knows what's best for us. And you see, if I said, be thankful when God blesses you, you'll probably be shouting, amen. Yet the challenge is in all things, not some things, be thankful. But how many of you know it takes a level of maturity to be able to be thankful in all things? Not just the good things, but in all things. And listen, when you are thankful in all things, A, this is what happens. You become A, thankful even for what God didn't give you. You become thankful for what God didn't give you. In most cases, we thank God for what he gives us. But have you ever stopped to thank him for what he hasn't given to you? from your from your sins in terms of the punishment that you deserve from your sins? Have you ever stopped and said, Lord, thank you for what you didn't give to me, hence we preach grace and mercy? You see, you thought that job was what you needed, but God knew the company was gonna go bust in a couple of months, so he spared you the hassle. You thought that relationship was right for you, but God knew that the timing and or the person wasn't right for you and neither was you right for them. So he saved you heartbreak at the expense of a little disappointment. Be thankful in all things. I wonder if there's anyone watching this morning that can say, I'm thankful. I feel like preaching right now. If we were in church right now, well, we're doing church, but we're doing church in a different way. i will grab my cloth I'll grab my water, I'll be anointed some of you guys. I'm ready to get up and preach right now, but you would not see me in the camera. Someone say, be thankful in all things. When you are thankful in all things, you are thankful for what God didn't give you. And B, you are thankful for the setbacks that made you stronger and better. You are thankful for the setbacks that made you stronger and better. I love this verse. This is one of my favorite verses in the Bible. 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Verses eight and nine. Listen to what it says. We are hard pressed on every side, yet not crushed. We are perplexed, but not in despair, persecuted but not forsaken. Struck down but not destroyed. Someone say stronger and better. Let me share a true story with you briefly. One October afternoon. A young 12-year-old boy was going out to play and he decided that he was going to uh, lock his bike outside an auditorium not far from where he lived. Where this auditorium was, in the basement of this auditorium, was a gym that was run by a policeman. It happened to be a boxing gym because this policeman, whose name is Joe Martin, is a uh, boxing enthusiast, but his day-to-day job is to be a policeman. So this 12-year-old boy ties up his bike there. He goes to play and when he wants to go home, he returns to the auditorium where he locked up his bike only to see that his bike had been stolen. In his frustration, he starts ranting. He starts venting about how he is going to inflict pain upon the person or peoples who stole his bike. One guy hears him going off and says, look, Why don't you go downstairs and speak to Joe? He's a police officer. Maybe he can take a note for you and report it as a police incident. And so this 12-year-old boy goes down into the basement of the auditorium where he sees this boxing gym and he goes up to Joe Martin and he says, Listen, someone stole my bike. I don't know if they're in this gym or where they are, but this is what I'm going to do to them. Joe Martin, of course, being the person who ran the gym but also being a police officer, starts laughing and starts chuckling and says, Listen, if you're going to do these things, To the person that stole your bike, you're going to have to learn how to fight. And so he says, listen, why don't you come and train with me so that you'll be ready to fight this person when you find out who stole your bike. And so the young 12-year-old boy agrees to do that. Six weeks later, Joe Martin notices his speed, notices his focus, his determination. And so he says, you know what? You've been doing so well in training, why don't I put you in a little amateur fight? The 12-year-old boy agrees. He gets in this fight and he wins. Several weeks later, Joe Martin is impressed at not just his speed, but his mental toughness, his agility, his ability to get hit, yet not feel like he's in danger or in panic. A few weeks later, this boy goes to high school. He puts him in championships and he wins. He's winning all of these various different competitions. And in case you hadn't guessed it, fast forward years later on down the line, we would say of this man, float like a butterfly, sting like a bee. Yes, this young man in question was none other than the great boxing legend himself, Muhammad Ali. But guess what? In order for Muhammad Ali to become great, it all started with a setback. Do you know why? No setback. No comeback. Do you know why people are talking about Anthony Joshua right now? He had a setback in order to have a comeback. Do you know why people are talking about Tyson Fury? Because in his personal life, he had a setback and therefore he had a comeback. Oh, Pastor Kunle, that's great. But where is that in the Bible? Do you remember Joseph? Do you remember Jay? He had a dream. Did he go straight to the palace? No, he went to the prison. Before the comeback was the setback. Would you type on the screen right now? No setback, no comeback. And these things make you stronger and better. And when you are grateful for the setbacks that don't make you a setback, but make you come back stronger, you show gratitude towards God and towards man. And here's the second way in which you can show gratitude towards God and towards man. Are you ready for this? By attaching no occasion To express gratitude towards God and people. By expressing no occasion, attaching no occasion, sorry, to express gratitude to God and people. Do you remember our verse from earlier, 1 John 3, 18? My little children, let us not love in word or in tongue, but in deed and in truth. Do you remember that? Do you know that it's easy to appreciate someone on their wedding day on their graduation day, on their birthday, on a landmark occasion. However, I've come to realize that gratitude is more powerful when it has no occasion attached to it. Imagine how many people would be encouraged right now if the words reserved for their funeral, which they never hear, were said whilst they were still alive. They say you don't know what you've got until it's gone. I say don't wait till it's gone before you know what you've got. It's not too late to appreciate. That even rhymed. I'm dropping bars like Kit Kat this morning. Listen, it's not too late to appreciate. You don't have to wait until something or someone is gone before you decide to show gratitude. But here's the thing. Do you know why... Many people don't really show gratitude. Do you know why? Because real gratitude is costly. Real gratitude is costly. Do you remember the 10 lepers we read about at the beginning of the, the, the sermon this morning in Luke chapter 17? Do you know the one leper that returned was a Samaritan? Yeah? That one leper that returned was a Samaritan. Did you know that he was risking his life returning to say thank you to God? Do you know that? Why was he risking his life? Because Samaritans and Jews had tension. And therefore he was risking his safety, but also he was risking rejection. He realized that in going back to say thank you, it would be costly. But guess what? In going back to say thank you, he received more than what he already originally went to God for. Jesus said, your faith has made you well. The word well there is taken from the Greek word sozo, S-O-Z-O. It's what we use in evangelism. In other words, he's saying your faith has saved you. In other words, you came seeking me as a person, not what you could get alone. And that was shown in your gratitude towards me. Therefore, you received more than just the gift. You received me. Why? Because he was ready to take the risk, even though... It was costly. True, gratitude is costly. It's costly of your energy. It's costly of your time. It's costly of your finances. And this is how you can tell the difference between takers and givers. Takers just say thank you and they leave it there and that's it. Givers don't just say thank you. They show you that they appreciate you. God didn't just tell us he loved us. He showed us by sending his one and only begotten son, Jesus Christ, to come and be the sacrifice for us. He didn't just say it. He showed us it. But takers will just say thank you and that's it. And the thing is, you think takers are grateful because they say thank you. Oh, I'm so grateful. Thank you so much. You think they're grateful. But listen, a taker will never offer to get the drinks in. A taker will never say, hey, let me cover this meal. A taker will never say, I'm happy to help you out with this project or this event. If there's nothing in it for them, they will say thank you for what they get, but they're not willing to give anything out. And that's the difference between a taker and a giver. And talking of takers, you ought to take note. I've got bars this morning. I've got the bars this morning. Let me just close my notes. Listen. You ought to take note of the takers and givers in your life. Oh, but PK, is that biblical? Jesus did it. Do you remember the the widow's mite? How did Jesus know that the woman gave a mite and the others gave out of their livelihood and out of their abundance? How did he know he was watching their giving? In those days when they would give in the temple, the priest would stand over what we would call the offering basket and watch their giving. In other words, Jesus said, you have received in the temple now. You have received the word. Now let me see what you're going to give. He wanted to see, are you just a taker or are you a giver? Oh, but PK, if I'm taking no, then isn't that giving to get? No, 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 no. Because in most cases, let's be honest, you don't even reap where you sow. You reap what you sow. Okay. So it's not about taking notes so that you can be someone who gives to get. It's about taking notes so that you don't end up being a taker, but you end up appreciating those who give to you and making a decision to become a giver. Takers simply take. They say thank you. Givers go beyond that and they will show how they appreciate you. Some of you right now, you know some of the takers in your life. They only call you when they want something. They're only happy to take, but they're never happy to give up their time and their energy. The takers that are watching right now are the people who are like, well, you know, not everybody can buy something for someone. Not everyone can give. That's the taker's mentality because the taker doesn't understand that something is better than nothing. So their justification is, I will turn up to the party, not even with a bottle of schlech. Okay? I will not turn up to the party with a butter slayer because what is one bottle going to do for 30, 40 people? That's their justification to turn up empty-handed. What is my £5 contribution going to do towards their wedding gift or their birthday? Takers are always looking for reasons to justify their behaviour, whereas givers realise that even if it's a little something like the widow's mite, I am ready to give. The question is, which one are you, a taker or a giver? Let's be people who are forever grateful to God for everything, in everything, and for all things. And let's be people who are grateful towards our brothers and sisters, not just in word, but also in deed. Let's pray. Wherever you are right now, would you bow your heads? Would you take a moment and just say, Lord, I come before you with a heart of gratitude. Your word says in Psalm 92 verse 1, It is good to praise the Lord. Your word says that I should come into your presence with thanksgiving in my heart and praises in my mouth. So I come before you right now with a heart of gratitude.